ladies. I'm here to do week two, day five. This is on page 37. It's the law, Leviticus, and Deuteron Deuteronomy. I'm going to go ahead and read page 38 first and then move to the questions and scripture reading. The final books of the Torah are often difficult for us to read and understand. The books of Leviticus seem bloody and confusing at first glance, but the pages are reminding us of all that we have already studied. Leviticus was written to the tribe of Levi and details for us the duties and office of the priest and the sacrificial system. We have already seen in our study that God is holy, that sin has a penalty, and that wherever there is sin, there is death. The sacrificial system was a picture of the anointment and sub substitution. Something had to die for the sin of the people. In the book of Leviticus, we see God accept temporary sacrifices for the sin of his people. Each sacrifice was a vivid picture of the penalty of sin. Each sacrifice reminds us that our sin has consequences. God, in his mercy, accepted these temporary sacrifices, but every single sacrifice was pointing to the greater sacrifice that would come in Jesus Christ, who would be the one, the once for all sacrifice. The sacrifices prescribed in the book of Leviticus had to happen over and over again, but Jesus made one sacrifice that would pay for our sin in full. In the book of Numbers, we see the census of two different generations. The first is the generation that walked out of Egypt. In the generation that walked through the Red Sea, it is a generation that had watched God be faithful at every turn. It is a generation that God was ready to usher into the promised land. And yet we come to Numbers 13 through 14, and we will see that this generation that will not trust God's power to overcome the obstacles in front of them. Though the land was flowing with milk and honey and God was ready to give it to them, all they could see were the giants in the way. Their lack of faith would have great consequences, and this generation of people would not be able to enter into the promised land. Instead, they would wander into the wilderness for 40 years. The second half of the book of Numbers will be the census of the next generation. And we are left wondering if they will make the same mistakes as the last generation. The people had been faithful, but God had never for a moment forgotten that unconditional promise made to Abraham in Genesis 12. The book of Deuteronomy at first class seems repetitive, but there's a good reason for that. The book of Deuteronomy is the retelling of the law to the new generation. This generation needed to be reminded of all that God had done for his nation. They needed to be reminded of his faithfulness, and they needed to be reminded that everything they had was because of God's gracious hand on them. Deuteronomy 6 makes this so clear for us. God wanted them to remember who he was and all that he had done. Deuteronomy 28 stands as one of the most in integral chapters in the Old Testament because it helps us to put to rest the rest of the Old Testament into perspective. In Deuteronomy 28, we see blessings for obedience and consequences for rebellion. God is pleading with the people to be faithful to him, just as he had been faithful to them. But this law and its promise of blessing and the abundance for obedience and hardship 
and confusion for disobedience did not change all that God had already promised in the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12. God would keep those promises. He would faithfully accomplish all that he had promised in a greater way than anyone could imagine. The Bible is one story, and it is coming to life for us as we begin to glimpse just a bit of what God is doing. The story of God's faithfulness in the Old Testament is also his story of faithfulness to us. May our study of this study propel us to trust him for every moment. The end of page 38. Question 1 says to read Leviticus 1 and make note of how the sacrifices described point to Jesus who would be the greater sacrifice. So let's listen to Leviticus 1. Man, that whole page was a tongue twister for me. The book of Leviticus, chapter 1. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When anyone among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. You are to slaughter the young bull before the Lord and then Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar at the entrance to the tent of meeting. You are to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priests, are to put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. Then Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat, on the wood that is burning on the altar. You are to wash the internal organs and the legs with water, and the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. If the offering is a burnt offering from the flock, from either the sheep or the goats, you are to offer a male without defect. You are to slaughter it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall splash its blood against the sides of the altar. You are to cut it into pieces, and the priests shall arrange them, including the head and the fat, on the wood that is burning on the altar. You are to wash the internal organs and the legs with water. And the priest is to bring all of them and burn them on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. If the offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, you are to offer a dove or a young pigeon. The priest shall bring it to the altar, wring off the head, and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. He is to remove the crop and the feathers and throw them down east of the altar where the ashes are. He shall tear it open by the wings, not dividing it completely, and then the priest shall burn it on the wood that is burning on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Okay. Woo. Now I get why it started by saying that it seems confusing and bloody at first glance, because that sounds bloody. All right, the next question in Numbers 13 through 14, we look on as the people who have been surrounded by God's faithfulness 
choose not to trust him. It seems so shocking, and yet we are prone to do the same thing. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past helps us to trust him for the future. Write down a few ways that God has been faithful to you. So the beginning of that question said, in Numbers 13 through 14, we look at the people. So we're going to listen to 13 and 14. Numbers 13, the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These are their names. From the tribe of Reuben, Shamua, son of Zakur, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, son of Ori, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Issachar, Egal, son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Paltai, son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Sodai, from the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Joseph, Gadai, son of Susai, from the tribe of Dan, Amiel, son of Gemali, from the tribe of Asher, Shethur, son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabai, son of Bosai, from the tribe of Gad, Geuel, son of Machai. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rehob, toward Libo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. 
We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Numbers 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me, in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people, and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, The Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. He promised them on oath, so he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. 
In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year, for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land, who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh survived. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, Now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. But Moses said, Why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up, because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. Oh boy, that was long. So that was Numbers 13 through 14. But just as you listen to that, go ahead and ponder question number two and write down some things or ways God has been faithful to you. Last question on page 39 says, Deuteronomy 6 speaks of God's word being in our heart and on our lips. How can you make these things a reality in your own life? So Deuteronomy 6 is not as long. Um, it says, love the Lord your God. These are the commandments, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord your God of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. 
Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of people around you, for the Lord your God is among you, is the jealous God, and his anger will burn against you. He will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to test as you did as Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go and take the good land the Lord promised on the oath of your ancestors, trusting out all your enemies before, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and the law the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, We were slaves of the Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and the Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised in the oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all the decrees and to fear our our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as in this case today. And we must be careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God as he had commanded us in the righteousness. So speaking of that, God's word should be in our hearts and our lips. How can we make these a reality in our life? Thanks for doing week two with me. See you next week.